0: Thanks for joining us. Today's episode of People with a Passion. We're joined by Coach Kevin Eastman, who was the assistant coach of the Boston Celtics in the National Basketball Association in the US for a period of 13 years. He also went on to be the Los Angeles Clippers operations manager. He won an NBA championship with Coach Doc Rivers and his team in 2008 uh, with the Boston Celtics against the LA Lakers, then coached by uh, Coach Phil Jackson. Tonight, he's going to share some of the power words that he has in his book, titled Why the Best Are the Best, where he has 25 power words that help motivate and inspire the best of the best. Please take time to sit down and enjoy my conversation with Coach Kevin Eastman. Today's episode is brought to you by Applaudable.net. Coach Kevin Eastman, thanks for joining us on People with a Passion today. I know you're passionate about a number of things and uh, you've got a history with uh, basketball in the United States and you're now speaking leadership to businesses. But what I wanted to talk about, um, I actually saw you at a clinic here in Australia a couple of years ago and words were a very big thing for you um, that you're extremely passionate about. And you've written a book, Why the Best Are the Best, and you have a core 25 power words that you've talked about within that particular book. But I want to ask, what makes you so interested in, in communication and words?
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, um, the the way this all came about is that uh, I, I really, I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of listening, I do a lot of discussing um with people who have been successful either in in my business uh the, the world of sports or in other businesses and what i what i came to find out is they they all use the same words when they're talking about things that or reasons that got them to where they are today and because of that i started to log the most common words and what i found was that that words are powerful because um if it is a single word, it's easy to remember. Uh, if you can define it for yourself and, and, and put a power behind it as to how that word can help you, then every time that word might come up uh, in your day, you can refer to it, it's very quick, it's very easy, you've already defined it for yourself. And what I found was that uh, the best of the best actually do this they may not consciously do it the way I put it in the book, Mm -hmm. but the words that always come out are very consistent across the board with the most successful people. So I've always thought words have power and that as we mature and get older, uh, probably one of the most important things we could do is uh, always be conscious of word choice. Uh, which words uh, will resonate with a particular person or group, or even in my case, uh, speaking with, with the crowd. Um, so I, I, I tried to pick uh, the words that I thought were most common. I, I told this story many a time, but I started out with 92 words.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to ask
1: that. 92 words. It's, the book would be like, you know, that thick. <laughs> So uh, I whittled it down to the 25, and, and um, it's just that words have always been important to me. And then I found out just through happenstance with all of my reading and, and studying that uh, really words are important to the most successful people.
0: Because hmm. when you're at the clinic, it, it was almost like you had a whole catalog of sayings and quotes and things that you thought brought value to the organizations that you belong to, whether you pick those up through your experience or whether you pick them up through reading and then shared them to bring value to the organizations that you actually belong to. So uh, just for the audience, your background is that you were head of operations of uh, the Clippers, uh, the LA Clippers in the uh, NBA and you also assistant uh, at the Celtics for a period including the the grand final um that was attained i think it was oh eight. was it is that correct yes yes, yes. so so you've you've had an extensive history of over a decade as an assistant um to doc rivers so that's that's the background of the sporting side of things but there are a lot of words that you've used that probably like you say are common to a lot of people and i, I things like commitment, sacrifice, uh, you know, talent, respect. Um, but I wanted to pick up on a couple that you've used um, in particular. There's there's the term circles, which is around the people that you associate yourself with. Do you want to expand on, on that particular power word?
1: Well, I, I think logic states that uh, those you spend the most time to are those that you're also gonna hear the most things from. So what are you hearing? What are you taking in? Is it shaping you? Now, studies and great thought leaders in the past have said that uh, you are the sum of the five closest people uh, around you. And um, what that basically says to me is that in fact, uh, what you hear and what you take in can stick. So I just tell players and people in general, just evaluate your circles. And I think there's a couple of circles. There's the fun circle. They're the ones that maybe you go out and have a glass of wine with or you laugh with. Um, But I'm not sure they ever get you to truly where you want to go in your craft, your profession, your life. Uh, But they're good to have because I think you have to uh, smile every now and then and you have to uh, enjoy life. Uh, And then there's the circles of impact. Those are the people that... um, that are willing to tell you the truth. Uh, they have great wisdom. They can impact your life and your career. So um, that's why I think circles are important. And when I speak to to athletes in particular, and certainly to uh, to anyone out there, even when I do my corporate speaking, is that a lot of people think circles are uh, all about what what people can do for you, but I'm not sure that's the most important part, and that should be the lens with which you choose your circles. I believe the lens should be, what do those people do to you? Do they make you a little lazier? Do they make you a uh, not as good a teammate? Uh, do they make you uh, don 't worry about that you don 't have to go into that depth and detail in, in, in your presentation to the uh, to the company or the sales force that day just just kind of do it kind of so so well your circles can do things to you um, obviously a circle they 're your friends they 're people that that uh, you may trust they 're going to do some things for you, but just be careful what they 're doing for you
0: doesn 't do something to you. So one thing I noticed about the word you've also chosen that they leap across all generations. So that concept of circles would resonate with a young audience as well as an older audience. So is that by design?
1: Oh, no question, because no matter how old you are, no matter what your, 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 your race, your gender, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't think anyone work, wakes up each morning saying, boy, I want to be the worst I can possibly be at my job. I would like to be the worst person in the world, not just in my company, the world. I don't think we do that. I think we do wake up hoping to have a good day. I think we do wake up uh, thinking that um, I, I would like to prove my value today. I would like people to notice me today. Well, I just believe that in order to, to get to that uh, uh, that level and, and what people seek is how can I do that uh, and what I found for me is uh, you know where these words come in is they can help you do that they can help you become a little bit better um, and we're not trying to say you have to be the best at what you do because that's hard to do because only one person can be the best at that particular thing but you can be your best Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the challenge. Each and every day we we wake up, are we doing what we need to do that day to become our best at whatever it is—my job, my career, uh, my life, my uh, role as a, a parent, whatever that is—and these words are are kind of they can they can kind of all of a sudden say, "Hey, pause now. Look uh, with this. You said you're going to live the in in the world of the truth. If you are, then." What you're bringing today, that's not what you said you were gonna bring when you interviewed for this job. You said you're gonna do a lot more. You said you're gonna be a lot better. So, but with the 25 words, what I ask people to do is this, because you kind of uh, intimated it, uh, Craig, in that you said, uh, you know, people have heard these words. Yes, they have. And they'll say, well, I already have those words in my vocabulary, but here's the difference. The best of the best, those who become their best at what they do, they don't just have these words in their vocabulary. They actually live these words every day. And then I also tell people this, if you don't think these words are important to you, to your life, to your career, to your craft, or as a corporate leader or a coach to your team, then do me a simple favor, put a a little two letter word in front of every one of these 25 power words, and then tell me if they're important. For instance, what if your company uh, or your team had no truth whatsoever? No one told the truth. What if no one did anything intentionally? What if there were no standards? What if there was no accountability? And you can go on and on yeah. with all the words. All of a sudden, that two-letter simple word no brings power
0: to these words. Mm, absolutely. So the other one that and you, I think you mentioned intentional, So. In what what's the word intentional represent um in the you know the values or the the best of the best what what's that mean for someone? Who's... Well,
1: the way I define intentional is the following: what you do on purpose to fulfill your purpose. So, whatever your role is in the company, whatever your role is in the team, whatever your role is for the organization, when you go in that day, what are you intentionally doing? To make sure that your team, your company, your organization, and every bit as importantly, yourself, and feeling good about yourself, what are you doing intentionally to fulfill that job, and maybe even become better at that job, maybe even add more value uh, to that job and that company, that organization, that team? So, um, you know, I, I often use Oprah Winfrey as the as the role model for this word intentional, because. She basically, if if any of your listeners would YouTube uh, Oprah Winfrey and intentional or intentionality, uh, you'll find that she built her her Oprah Winfrey network on this concept, on this word. She was very intentional. She's very intentional each and every day about what she wants to get out of her day. Like Ray Allen, one of the players we had with the Boston Celtics, one of the best shooters ever to play the game of basketball, He would intentionally, each and every day, practice the shots that he was gonna get in our offense against that team or those teams in the NBA uh, so that when he was there in the game, he had already been there in practice. He had already put in the proper preparation uh, that leads to to successful outcomes. Mm. So uh, that's, to me, what intentional is all about.
0: And with the Celtics, did you find that most of the players at that level, when you're talking about the best of the best, they won a championship at that time. Were they equally as intentional in their approach or did they all have varying approaches as, as players?
1: Uh, yeah, here's the thing. Each time you take a, a next step up the ladder, uh There's more people that are equal to, if not better than you, Mm -hmm. because you're you're rising. Look, there's only 450 professional NBA players in the whole world. Think of all the the people who play basketball. So they are the best of the best, but there's also pecking orders within the best of the best. But what you find is any any great player or any name player that someone, one of your listeners, even if they don't follow basketball, they could probably say uh, LeBron James, uh, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, right? They could say these names, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. They can say these names because they've heard about them. Every one of them is intentional. That's how they got there. Mm. And for the most part, the overwhelming majority of players in the NBA do live with with intentionality. They do actually understand that certain things have to be done every day uh, in order for me to not just thrive in my profession, but stay in the NBA.
0: Yeah, you you were part of two organizations um, and headed the Clippers, and with with that, uh, you obviously are trying to build an organization that has good culture. And one of the things that you said is culture is only one aspect of an organization, and possibly the third most important aspect. What what? Um, What are the others that you see are important to round that picture of what a good organization is?
1: Yeah, and this may be a a little bit against uh, popular belief and what all the books are saying right now. There's no question culture is important. But I think there are two other things that are equal to and maybe more important than the culture because they help the culture become the culture. And uh, basically, the first one is values. Uh, what are your values uh, as an organization? What are your values as, uh, as a team? What are your values uh, a- a- as the leader? Because those values are going to be the lens through which you do almost everything in your organization. If you value integrity, you certainly are not going to hire somebody who's already proven to be a cheater, right? In its simplest form. So values are important. The other thing that I think is equal to, if not greater importance to the culture is the people that you, you bring in. And this is where the values comes in. The values are the lens through which you hire your people. We don't want same thinking people. We don't want uh, same background people. We, we, we want to diversify our staff, but we do want a commonality in that if you join the organization, you become a member of our team, you share the same core values that that the organization does. So if you take the values and the people, that leads into the culture because you you can have a great culture with really bad people that have no values, they'll take that culture down. So uh, all three of those work hand in hand, but I do believe that the values and the people set up the culture
0: mm. who who defines the values is it a group thing or is there like like how do you arrive at those core values because you would think those core values may be common but depending on the type of organization that you know you're trying to create that could be that could be varied Would would that be an accurate statement or do you find again the best of the best are going to have very similar values that other organizations that are successful would have
1: yeah, I think there are certain commonalities. You know, when you really, when you really, like, I'll challenge your listeners. Have them write down on a piece of paper everything they value in life uh, and people they, they work with and people they hang out with. They'll find there's more than two or three. Mm-hmm. Even though when the corporations, if you go on their websites and you see what are their core values, it's usually four or five or six because they think that there's too many but just because integrity work ethic uh collaborate collaboration are values for that organization uh so too is good guy mm-hmm. good person yeah. you know wait like when i did my little own audit i had 72 things that i value uh but so could they be different? Yes, but I gotta believe the most successful organizations probably have something either honesty or integrity. That's one of their values. Probably a work ethic or some way they say it uh, is, is another kind of value. Probably in today's world, the ability to communicate and collaborate might be a value uh, for that organization. There probably are, maybe it's uh, B6 for um, company A, Company B has four of those six and two others. But I don't think all of a sudden you get to 7,000 um, because I do think that there are certain things that have, like you, how, how can't one of your values be something along the lines of integrity? Like mm. who would like to, to a, buy a to buy or work for a company that just lives on lies?
0: Again, I think well, if you came to that little exercise you suggested of putting no in front of some of those values what would that look like if you belong yeah. to an organisation where you threw no in front of no integrity, you know? Recall. Yeah. yeah. So, Recall. so one of the things that stood out to me when I had the privilege of watching you live um, here in Australia was that you talked about, particularly with athletes, to focus on their abilities. Do you want to explain that concept of, of abilities?
1: Well, this is one where my wife says you can't use that. It's bilities is not a word. Yeah. But well, as I often say, like Merriam-Webster, like who who is that? I've never met that person, and they're allowed to put all these words together and say this is our dictionary of words. So I'm going to have the Kevin Eastman Dictionary, and one of the words is bilities, and what I mean by that is uh, if we take some of these things, and again, uh, today maybe what I, I I can do for your listeners is is to stimulate their thinking. Not give you all of them, uh, but here are some of the abilities. Like I would, I, would, I would venture a guess that everyone would agree that we want to work with uh, and have people working in a team or an organization that believes in responsibility. They're gonna buy into it and master this concept of responsibility. Another one is accountability. Another one is vulnerability. So as you can see, all these words end in ability. that's why I came up with the phrase, you have to master the abilities Mm -hmm. in order to to really have a successful organization, or for that matter, to be a successful leader, or for that matter, to be a successful person. Like in sports, one of the abilities that's so crucial is availability. Who cares if Kevin Garnett is that good if he's always injured? Mm. He may be the most talented, injured player that never plays, right? So they've got to be available. They have to be able to be there every night, to play every night, to practice. And just like you may have a great salesperson, and she or he could be the best in the company when they're there those two days every year, right? But the other days, they're never there because they're sick or something's come up. They're never available, so that ability is is is, is really uh, important. So, I think uh, I think maybe the listeners get a feel of what I'm talking about here, and come up with their own abilities uh, for their life, for their team, if they're a leader, if they're a manager, for their little group they're managing,
0: whatever the case may be. Hmm. One of your power words in the book is humility, and you talk about leadership and the need for or, or not the need it's a trait that the best of the best seem to possess, which is that they as leaders have humility. Do you want to expand on what that is from a leadership perspective?
1: Yeah. And I, and I well, you know, I think some people will take take the word of humility and they'll, they'll kind of pause a little bit and they'll think about it. And they'll say, okay, thinking less of myself, that's humility. And really it isn't. It, it's, uh, It's thinking of yourself less often, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, where we think humility is important and a crucial part to the success of anyone, what you find is uh, people who are successful is they, they don't think they have all the answers. They're always looking for that one more thing. And I think humility says, I don't have all the answers, but I am open and available to hear what they might be. And the best players, you know, obviously we had an incredibly great player uh, pass away mm-hmm. uh, some days ago in Kobe. And he maybe epitomized, he was on a constant search to seek and find new ways to do things, better ways to do things, better ways to say things to his teammate. Um, when he went into his company with the storytelling and the filmmaking, and the documentaries, you know, He cold called, from what I understand, Steven Spielberg. Mm. Why? Because he's one of the best at what he does. So why not ask that person some questions? But he had the humility to say, I don't know this new thing I'm getting into. I like it, I'm passionate about it. I think I probably know more than the average person on the street, but I I don't know near as much as you know Steven Spielberg. Can you share some of your wisdom, wisdom with me? So humility is not a negative thing. It's not a chink in your armor. As a matter of fact, I, I would say humility for a leader is like Velcro. Mm-hmm. You usually stick – the people who follow usually stick to those to those leaders who are not only humble but also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. my thoughts on
0: that. You, you, you raised, Kobe, obviously, the reference to the passing of a, a great individual in our sport, which is – um. Very sad, but I actually spoke with Alan Stein um on a on podcast, but he talks about Kobe's hyper focus and how he had that um focus on the basics and also the you know, transferred that into the business realm 'cause um you've had experience as well. I remember you talking of an experience where Kobe was watching a video game and I think you were meant to head off somewhere with him and he saw a move on TV and he was playing and rewinding. Do you, do you remember that? Was that your story? Do you recall that?
1: Yeah. Well, um, in essence, uh, we were, Nike had, had brought us in to, um, teach some really good players that they had together, uh, how to watch film. And, um, When we were watching film, Kobe saw something on the film and on the film was certainly not NBA players. They were players one or two levels below the NBA, but he saw something that he might be able to add to his game. And he wanted uh, to stop it and take a peek at it. So we did. So then, uh, but the lesson to the players was simply this. The best of the best, they don't care where they get their information from. If it can help them, they're, they're all ears, they don't have the ego where just because it's a college player or a high school player that did that move, if they don't have it in their game and it can help them with their game, they don't care what level it came from. And the other great example of that is one of the key decisions that Steve Kerr made was to change the starting lineup and you hardly ever do that in the NBA. Like that, that's almost taboo. He did it in the in the finals and they inserted Andre Igodala mm-hmm. in place of Andrew Bogan okay who has the same accent as you guys do mm-hmm. so uh, uh, that that idea actually came from one of his assistant coaches, the youngest guy on the bench, the youngest guy in the staff who's not even on the front bench mm-hmm. he's on the, the back bench is what they call it in the NBA. Uh, He gave that suggestion to Steve. Steve thought about it and said, you know what? He's right. And Steve, humility, we talked Mm -hmm. about that earlier. Steve was humble enough that in the press conference, he recognized this young up-and-coming assistant coach. He gave him the idea. Don't say I did it and and it worked and we won a championship. It really didn't come from me. Mm -hmm. So the best of the best have open ears and
0: open eyes to, to continue to learn. So in that organization, obviously, that would have recognized or that individual would have felt highly valued at that point in time that he was heard and, and listened to. And I also know you have similar stories around that when you first entered the NBA and you weren't confident around whether you should be there or not, that you were questioning, do I belong here? And and, and the apprehensiveness to even verbalize or say something from the sideline as an assistant um, with the Celtics. So, so what was that experience for you and how did you come out of your shell to recognize that, uh, that you had value to deliver to the team and that's why you're there?
1: Yeah, well, you know, all of us are different in our makeup. And um, uh, for whatever reason, anytime I go into something new, I'm going to prepare my tail off, study it to the nth degree so that I can prove that I belong there. But, you know, probably if we went deep into the minds of many successful people out there, no matter what their craft, what their industry, we would probably find out that at some point there was a little seed of doubt. Can I do this? Um, Even Kobe wasn't sure. You can read some articles that, uh, gosh, I didn't know if this documentary was going to be any good. I I, I put everything I had into it. So the thing that, that helped me get over the hump, and it was a leadership lesson, uh, on uh, make sure your people know that you value what they bring. Um, Doc Rivers one day, who's the guy I worked with in Boston, he asked his administrative assistant, uh, Anne Marie, to come and, and uh, get Kevin because I want to see him. Well, when an administrative assistant comes and says, hey, Doc wants to see you, you know, y- y- your mind go a whole bunch of ways. Like, this ain't going to be good. Mm. So, Or I wonder what's going to, what he he want me for? Yeah, right. So, um, then I walk in and he says, close the door. So then I thought, oh man, so he didn't want anybody to hear this. So something is coming down. Like it might be, uh, you know, uh, uh, a bowling ball going to roll me over here. So, uh, he says, Hey, uh, I want to get your opinion on something. So then I thought, wait a minute now, I'm the youngest guy, you know, the newest guy in the the coaching staff. I didn't play in the NBA. All the other assistants did. So I looked around the room like, who's he talking to? And then I saw I was the only one in the room. I said, oh, okay, you want my opinion? So I gave my opinion. And what he was really saying is, uh, look, I value your thoughts. Tell me what you think. Uh, So from that point on, I knew that he knew I belonged. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in a leadership position, if you can get the people to believe in themselves as much as you believe in them, that's when your career can take off for somebody. So um, so that was kind of the, the, the impetus for me to be able to go out and feel confident. Uh, I knew I knew stuff, but you can know a lot of stuff and you're always, you're, not always, but you still might be wondering, do I really belong? Mm-hmm. Right, this is my element. Uh, I guess it's that thing that people always talk about, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Hmm. But sometimes you need help with getting more comfortable.
0: Do you want to speak to, and I'm being conscious of your time here because we're coming up to 30 minutes, but um, the capability gap and what that actually means? Because I I picked up that that was one of the things that you'd spoken about. So what is the capability gap?
1: Well, I... I think many people who have gotten to a certain position, they have accomplished a decent amount. And uh, maybe they have accomplished this, but what they're capable of accomplishing is this. So that gap in between there is what we need to have to try and fill uh, as often as possible. It's easy to say each and every day, but as often as you can. How do you fill that uh, maybe as an athlete, you get more repetitions on that particular skill, so you can become what you're capable of becoming, not stay where you are. Mm-hmm. For a young emerging leader, it could be uh, that I'm a little deficient in presenting uh, to the entire team, with the sales team. It may be that I don't write reports, it may be that I don't write file, whatever it is. You're capable of this continue to try and fill that capability gap each and every day because that's what you find the best do. Like many of the best basketball players, they'll always tell you the, the, the non-playing season. Some people call it the off season. I call it the on season because the best players aren't off during that Mm. time. They try and bring one addition back to their game the following year. So that's getting them closer and closer to what they are capable of being, not just staying where they are.
0: Hmm. That's very powerful, that, that concept of, you know, to keep yourself moving forward, adding a, a little a little piece to that jigsaw puzzle to get the bigger picture. So I did have another question. Oh, human, uh, the concept of, of as humans that we leak, uh, you know, potential and,
1: no, I think, I think uh, as human beings, uh, we all leak on certain days. We may leak uh, discipline that day. We may leak a little bit of our focus that day. We may leak a little bit of effort. You know, as I often say to young people, um, you know, you come into your job with a great deal of passion. But if you try and live off your passion for your entire career, uh, I'm not sure you will get to where you want to go you also have to get some knowledge. And your knowledge has to meet up with your passion. That's when your career can take off. But for the other end of the spectrum, the older people, the ones who have been there for 25 years of grind, right? The same job, the same company each and every day. Uh, They have tremendous knowledge. They have tremendous uh, experiences because they've been there that long. But maybe because of the grind, it's sucked a little bit out of them. So they're leaking the passion. So for them, the opposite is true. They have the knowledge, have leaked the passion. So if they want to go out on a good note whenever they retire, make sure the passion catches back up with the knowledge because sometimes it can leak. And we're human beings. Hmm. We, we're not on every single day.
0: Hmm. So your concept, I believe, of passion was it's where uh, love for something meets purpose. Is that yeah. my understanding that of was- your definition?
1: Yeah, that was P.J. Fleck that the guy, yes. at the University of Minnesota, who, by the way, had an unbelievable year this year. Mm-hmm. You talk about passion. I mean, if you open up your dictionary right there at home, you'll see his face. I mean, he is that passionate about He just loves what he does. But he also is one that fills his capability gap because he knows there's still more that he can do to help his team, help his players, help his staff, and also improve himself. So, yeah, I'm not going to take credit for that.
0: That was PJ. Okay. So, look, I I won't uh, hold you up anymore. I appreciate every moment you've given me today and that you've made time to um, help me and my audience better understand ourselves and what the best of the best actually do. So, Coach Kevin Eastman, I really appreciate it. I'll put links in the description uh, for where they can get your book to see what it's all about. We only covered a couple of words, but to be quite honest, we don't want to give it away. So, so we want them to go and, you know, spark their interest to go and check out the words and, and, you know, check out why the best are the best. Thanks for your time.
1: Appreciate that, Greg. Thank you.
0: Thanks. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please give it a thumbs up and feel free to comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be advised of new interviews when they're uploaded. I hope you join us again sometime. Catch you later.